Okay, shameless plug, I admit it, there we go. Um, anyway, but it is, it's always good to be with you. Man, Father, I, I feel like I should look a little more like Gandalf or something, I don't know, I was like spiritual father. Okay, anyway, it is great to be with you guys. Uh, it always is good to be with, with the fold and, and to share in times with us, just visiting with you guys as we were able to do a couple of weeks ago or, or to be able to share like we did this morning. As you saw in the video, I mean, it really is true. Uh, you're a part of all that, by the way. I mean, we really can do more together than any one church can do alone. And I am truly thankful for the partnership, the relationship, uh, the friendship that we have here with the fold. I mean, you guys, you're pretty remarkable. Uh, you are. So anyway, there, I've said it. <laughs> and it's true. Now, CJ is walking you guys, preaching through the book of Acts, correct? Okay. And I want us to go back and look at a couple little things that I think he's, he's already, I know he's already touched on part of it, I think both of it. At the very beginning of the book, Acts 1-1, right at the very beginning, you know, Luke references his other letter, you know, we know it is the Gospel of Luke. And, and he says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. That's an interesting statement that Jesus began to do and teach. When you read over in John's gospel, a little bit later on in the next book over in your Bible, John actually is quoting Jesus, saying that, that we will do even greater things than Jesus did. We will, Jesus is telling us we will do greater things than he did. Which sounds pretty crazy considering, I mean, this is, after all, Jesus, you know, Savior of the world. We will do greater things. Crazy. And yet, on a very practical level, it isn't crazy at all. When you think about it, Jesus' entire earthly ministry was basically in a roughly 30-square-mile area in the Middle East in and around the Sea of Galilee. That was it. That little spot on the globe. I mean, even the Apostle Paul makes it to Rome. And for us, in, in modern missionary history, so many other places on the globe, Jesus never did that. Now, for the GBA, yes, we do have two mission partnerships outside of our local area. Uh, one of those is in New England. We're in, I think, year six of a 10-year partnership. We've committed to them to help them plant three new churches in those 10 years. First was in Boston. We're currently working on number two. It's in Providence and, and are beginning to talk about number three. Uh, so, New England. We're also in a partnership, have been in a partnership in, um, in Myanmar. Normally, formerly known as Burma over in, in Southeast Asia. And there's actually a little bit of a connection between the two, which for me as a history nerd, I find that fairly fascinating. Way back in the 1700s, way back, ancient history stuff, there's this man named Adoniram Judson. And Judson believes that God is calling him to preach the good news to the heathen in Burma. So he and his wife, Anne, leave from Salem, Massachusetts, to go to Burma. Now, it's the 1700s. They're going by boat. And it's really not that big of a boat. I mean, just to be honest. Anyway, I just find it really cool. If you go to Salem today, you'll actually see the pier where they sailed off from. It's still there. Yes, history nerd here, I know. And there's also a replica of a type of ship that would have been there in that day. Folks, it's really not that big. You know, the, the, I know the, the old Jaws movie, you know, that, that phrase, you know, we need a bigger boat. 
know, every time I look at those ships, I'm like, they needed a bigger boat. And it took them months, I mean, literally months of travel on that boat to get to India. And then from India, it took them even longer on an even smaller boat to get into Burma. Months upon months upon months of travel. For us, the last time we went was, it was late February, early March 2020, right before the world shut down. That's another story. I'm trying to think. I flew from, see, flew from GSP to Detroit. Detroit to Seoul, that was the long flight. Seoul to Yangon. I think all total, I traveled about 22 hours. 22 hours. It took them months to get there. We continued to do more and more, faster and faster than was even imagined a few decades ago. Truly. Now, obviously, yes, it is Jesus who lived and died and rose again for mankind so that we can have a relationship with him. We can't do that. But we can take that gospel story a whole lot further than Jesus ever could on this earth. Luke goes on. If you keep on reading through it, he quotes down in, further down in, in chapter 1. He's quoting Jesus. He's saying that John baptized by water. You're going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on down into, into verse 8. You know, when, when you receive power, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you know, then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Now that verse, Acts 1.8, uh, in, in my circles and in, in church world, is considered one of those great mission-sending proclamations of the Bible. Let's unpack that a bit. Jerusalem. That was fairly easy. For those who were listening or reading the letter, they knew Jerusalem. It all started there. That was home. Well, it's true for us. For us, it also starts at home. Literally in our home, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in the places that we frequent, the, the, the shops, the restaurants, the gyms, the, the parks, wherever. It starts there. I mean, it's crazy thinking through this. I mean, a lot of people are making Greenville home. A lot of people from outside the South are making it home. A lot of people from outside the U.S. are making it home. Current census numbers have us at a little over 540,000 people in Greenville County. We are told that, that within the next 20 years, now this is, this is amazing people, listen to this, we are going to see a net gain of 10 to 11,000 people per year for the next 20 years. Did you hear that? A net gain. That's over 220,000 people over the next 20 years coming into Greenville New. It sounds crazy, doesn't it? But we look around Greenville and we see all the housing that's being built and we know it's already happening. We already have at least 89 different identifiable ethnic people groups in Greenville, 89. A number of those people groups come from areas of the world that we don't have access to. You know, we can't get the gospel into them, but they're coming to us. We're increasingly having an opportunity to, to preach the gospel, to share the gospel, to live out the gospel to the nations of the world right here 
at home. Crazy to think like that. And yet it's true. That's why, like you heard in the video, we are very focused on those three R's, the reaching, the revitalizing, the reproducing. We have to be intentional about how we are creating access, how we're sharing this good news of Jesus with others around us. We need more existing churches to be revitalized. Yes, a number of our churches, and it's not just us, it's across this nation, declining, slowing, not as effective as they once were. We need them to be vital once again, to be more effective in sharing the good news of Jesus in their communities and around them. And we've got to be starting new churches. We've got to be planting new churches like the Fold and many others. And yeah, you're a part of all that. And yes, we can do even greater than that. So that's Jerusalem, home. Judea, larger geographic area, we would often liken it to our state, to South Carolina. You're connected there too. I mean, as a Southern Baptist church, you are part of a larger body, over 2,000 churches across this state, who are seeking to make Christ known in their communities all around us. You're part of something that is much larger than just you in this place and time. Samaria. Samaria can be a bit trickier. It, it, on one hand, yes, it would be easy for us just to say, well, it's a larger geographic territory like the U.S. Maybe. But there's more to it than that. And the people listening or reading this letter got it. Samaria. The place to avoid. I think I probably said this to you guys before, but you know, back in, in Jesus' day, a good Jewish boy would go around Samaria, would not go through Samaria. Which when you read through you know, Jesus traveling through Samaria, it makes the stories that much more scandalous. Why avoid Samaria? Because it's full of Samaritans. And the Jews hated. The Samaritans, I mean, hated them. This is not some sports rivalry. This is serious cultural ethnic hatred. There's a whole backstory to why that's the way it is. We don't have time to go into that today, but there's a, there's a lot to that story. So, when Jesus tells them, "You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria." Samaria, there to intentionally go to the people they most despise and avoid. Ouch. Which always begs the question for me, who are those for you? You know, the Afghani refugees who may be coming in here, illegal immigrants in general. Biden lovers, Trump lovers, I don't know, homeless people, people in prison, abortion clinic workers. I mean, you know, it doesn't just have to be the Taliban on the other side of the planet, though it could be. It could as easily be, you know, that coworker, you know who I'm talking about, that you always, oh gosh, yeah, avoid them as absolutely much as possible. Some of you really know what I'm talking about. You can put a face to that. Or maybe it's that relative. Don't we always seem to have at least one relative at the family reunion? 
nah, I just really don't like. You're chuckling. You have more than one, don't you? <laughs> so do I. But anyway, we'll leave that alone. <laughs> Woo, we'll leave that alone. Don't tell my mama I said that either. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, who are these people? You know, Jesus tells them, tells us to go to them. Now, back in the dark ages, when I was a freshman in high school, you can laugh, it's okay, I'm old. Um, I was a freshman, there were these three guys, upperclassmen, who, for whatever reason, I didn't know any of them, but for whatever reason, they chose me as their target. Oh, joy. These days, we call it bullying. I learned to hate them. I couldn't completely avoid them because I had a class with them. Huh, fun. They became the kind of folks that, that I'm, I'm just, if we're going to be transparent here, I wouldn't spit on them if they were on fire. Despised them. Finally came to a point one day I'd had it turned around, busted the leader in the mouth, and put him on the floor. They left me alone after that. Yay. I still hated So am I supposed to go to those kind of people and tell them about Jesus? Sure sounds like it, doesn't it? And he's telling you that too. Who do you avoid? Who do you just really not like? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, finally, ends of the earth. Literally, forever people may be found. When you go over into, into chapter 2, and, and you've got the whole, the whole Pentecost story that, that's going on there, and I find that story fascinating on multiple levels. You know, you've got this group of people in a room, and, and then these, this weird noise is coming, like this rushing wind coming through, and then you, you've got the, the, these flaming tongues that suddenly appear and start to land on them. I mean, when you picture it, it sounds, it looks, sounds like kind of pretty bizarre. So while this is all going over here in this room, over here you, in, in the city, you've got all these different people from, from the known world at that time who are here. And they're hearing all of this stuff going on. And so they come over to see what's happening. And then something truly miraculous takes place. All those people from the known world at that time who were there, come over to check this thing out, get to hear the gospel in their own language. Miraculous thing happens. Which makes me go back and circle back to those 89 identifiable people groups in Greenville. How do we help them in access to the gospel? How do we help them hear about Jesus in a way that makes sense to them. The Saudis, the Russians, the, the Asian Indians, the deaf peoples, uh, the, those who are from Buddhist or Hindu or, or Muslim backgrounds, those of no religious background at all. What do we do with them? <laughs> those peoples from the known world who are right here with us. And part of me wonders, 
not some, and not some, I don't know, weird way. Do they hear enough noise out of us in a good way that they want to come see what's going on and they get to hear about Jesus from us? I don't know. How do we do that with them? Then there is, like Adoniram and Ann Judson, the literal going to the other side of the planet or other parts of the world to engage peoples who have never heard of Jesus. And I know we live in South Carolina, and sometimes it's even hard to talk about, you know, nobody hearing about it here. There are people here who've never heard Jesus, by the way, just so you know that really is true. But on the other sides of the world, hundreds of, of people groups who literally have never heard his name. And how are they going to hear it unless we go and we tell and we show? Yes, in, in my role with the association, I've had some incredible privileges of travel. And just to know about me, I love to travel. Just so you know, I love it. Love to travel. And it has granted me some great opportunities, whether it's been, I don't know, Fulani herdsmen in Nigeria or, or the Buddhist monks in Myanmar or atheist young adults in, in Cuba or others. Yes, an incredible opportunity, opportunity and challenge and mandate that we can't ignore. And it really all starts here. <laughs> Let's go back home. With you. You all make much of this being home, don't you? Home. With you. Right here. What will you do with Jesus? Have you heard the gospel story in a way that makes sense to you? I mean, do you know how much God really loves you? Really loves you? I mean, so much that, that, that he sent Jesus to show us what God is like? To make sure that you and I have an opportunity to have a relationship with him? I mean, Jesus died for us, rose again for us. He paid the punishment for us so that we didn't have to. He came to give you Hope for this life, yes, as well as hope for eternal life. And it's not really complicated. There's not some secret formula. No, it's really simple. Have you come to a point in your life where you've, you've, you've understood, you've acknowledged, you've confessed, I cannot do this on my own? Because we all know we can't. We're going to screw it up. I can't do it. I've got this. <laughs> Help me. And we come to that point where we have, we've trusted, accepted Jesus as Lord, as leader of our lives. Hope. Folks, if you've not done that, there are people here today. You've got CJ and other leaders in this church. Talk to them today. Don't leave here without that. Now, for those of you who are 
Christ followers. What's your next step in all of this? Maybe for some of you that means baptism. You know, no, it doesn't save you. It's, it's, but it's a great visual of showing who you are following. Maybe for you it's taking some of those steps of, of actually sharing Jesus with others. Maybe you need to learn how to do that. There are people here who will help you learn how to do that. Maybe you need more discipleship in your life. There are people here who can, and by the way, beyond just this event today, two words, fold groups. Okay? LJ, you can thank me later. Fold groups. Discipling. Hello. Learn how to live your life out in front of others. Learn how to be able to share verbally with someone else. Learn what it means be a follower of Christ in the world in which we live now. The command to go, to be witnesses. It wasn't just for the people in that room that day. It's for the people who are in this room, this day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. <laughs> thank you that, that you sent him to make a way for us. You sent him so that we can know what you're like. You sent him so that we can have hope beyond hope for our lives to now and for our lives forevermore. God, thank you, and I don't understand why you choose us. But you do, and I am thankful for that. People who can share your love and hope with others in ways even Jesus couldn't have done. Crazy to think. Thank you, God, for the opportunity, the privilege that is ours to do that. God, may, may, we, not, may we not take that lightly. May we, God, may we seriously think through what that means for us here and now. And who do we go and share with? How do we go and do? Where do we go? God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the fold. I thank you for the folks here, the leadership that is here. God, I thank you for the fold group. So much, God, continue to guide and direct and bless. May your light shine forth from this place in an amazing way, starting here in this home to the ends of the earth. And God, for all that, we give you honor and praise and glory forever.